Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special episode. Yet again, uh, a day late and a dollar short, but it is time for the edgies here at EdgeGuard, the podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. Uh, today, me and my good friend, wait, is that right? Yes, me and my good friend, Jordan. <laughs> Hello, Jordan. Hello, I'm Jordan. Uh, yes, Jordan is here, and we're here to talk about all the all the wonderful uh weird ass games that we played this year uh you know this is our this is our yearly celebration uh a, a sort of awards show of uh weird goofy awards that we made up yes and every year those of you who are longtime fans of the show will know that uh every year we come up with six uh unique uh categories and we don't usually um, repeat categories from previous years. We kind of try to design them around the kind of uh, through lines or like shared qualities that we we notice in the the games we played for the year, and kind of try to uh, group uh, group games together and, and award them uh, based on um, which does the thing that we've arbitrarily grouped them in best. <laughs> So, <laughs> yes, it's always a fun uh, yeah. process of looking at the games that we played, which is You're looking a, at a, somewhere between, you know, 30 and 50 games. Yeah, and, I mean, in the uh, past, it's pretty consistently been like 50. But this year, you know, we already yeah, we, we already a few fewer, <laughs> you know, we already talked about how we uh, we were, were, you know, we were struggling Less to be consistent, yeah. but we're going to be more consistent. But more on that later, because uh, right now it's time to celebrate you know all the stars of of the of the what's the video game equivalent of the silver screen like the the the, the, ga <laughs> the game the game pad i don't know we'll work on that we'll workshop it um something all about the stars of itch.io are here to uh compete for uh ridiculous awards which have no inherent value um However, we think they're fun. So shall we, we shall we get underway? Should we? Yeah. So are we going to read the, the six categories all at once or just go one by one? No, we're going one by one, baby. That's the that's part of the surprise. Don't want to spoil the surprise right from the start. All right. All right, all right. OK, OK. So um, uh, I'll introduce the first category. So uh, the first category is most engrossing sensory experience. Uh, canned applause oh we're do, doing do, do, voices do. is that right okay well you, you uh, yes, started it announcers. so just know you've opened the pandoric's box of letting blake do weird voices so i am fine with that box being open i play dungeons and dragons with you regularly so <laughs> that's true <laughs> therefore this is something i've come to terms with um <laughs> all right and the nominees are uh promesa by julian palacios uh crystalline by Gail Borges and Casa Dostra by Milosoft. So maybe just give a quick uh, reminder to the listeners about which, uh, which, uh, what those games are because it's been a while since we played them. But sure. um, so Promesa was a game that was kind of, um, it spawned from a uh, conversation that the creator had with his um, grandfather. Uh, so sort of rem reminiscing about um, his grandfather lived in Argentina and Italy, uh, sort of a dreamscape that is uh, recreating these different scenes from his grandfather's past. 
Uh, Crystalline was this game that uh, you, it's a very ambiguous first person game where you're following uh, this dancer figure through this abandoned warehouse. And it's all about kind of messing with your sensory experience. And then Casadastra uh, by Milosoft is a maze game where you have to solve a maze and then the lights get turned out and you have to solve it again um, without uh, benefit of sight. So, right. yeah, so, so, yeah, so the, the idea behind this category, I guess, mm-hmm. was um, we just sort of noticed that we had played a lot of games that were really kind of trying to mess with you, mess with the player at a very sensory level, like just kind of make you just like the basic kind of uh, make you more aware of 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 a of, specific of sense, sense or your senses generally. Exactly. Right. So Promesa has a very um, uh, evocative um, art style with really um, kind of striking uh, 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 colors and, and lighting. Uh, Crystalline is like doing a lot of stuff with um, really harsh sounds and strobe uh, lights and strobe lights, especially Aggressive does a lot of strobe weird, uh, like break, breaking up your sense of smooth movement. It is actually really, um, disorienting. And then Casadastra obviously is about, um, you know, literally forcing you to navigate without sight. So, right. I do also want to say Promesa. I felt like, uh, I know time isn't a sense in the traditional sense, uh, mm, sure. I did not do that on purpose. Pardon me. Uh, but it, 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 your sense of time is sort of what felt, uh, warped in promise promesa, which made it felt like, I don't know yeah. if it, it was, it, it was interesting. You're sort of like floating through memories, um, that were incomplete, uh, in a really interesting way. So, so I, th- I yeah. thought that's why it fit in uh, really well here. So, um, yeah how do we how do we want to go about uh doing this i always forget you know we only do one of these once a year so it's always like how do we do this again um well we 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 just yeah so we decided after the first time that it was it was more fun to talk through right uh that the the debate where we're we're sort of bringing the criteria by which we Uh choose is more interesting to the listener than the results themselves you know Mm. we don't want it to be like the academy where some faceless organization with uh, unaccountable criteria oh. uh, makes a decision. Oh, there are, uh, there are criteria. I know well, for some of the true. categories there are, they have like explicit criteria that they send to their voters, but All we right. don't have voters. Blake. There's only two votes. <laughs> There's only us, your yes. vote, my vote. So maybe that's a, um, maybe that's a way and to do it's, it. And it's not a vote. There can't be a tie. We always have to come well, to right. an agreement. But um, is there, so, yeah, is there so, one of these games that you would like to put forward? Or do you have an idea of how to Well, I want to talk through my my thinking on this one. So I yeah. loved Casadostra, but I think mm. I want to I want to focus on the most engrossing uh, a category because I don't think I would describe the mechanic of Casadostra as um, particularly engrossing. In fact, it was often quite anti-grossing or something like it's kind of um you know it's designed to be a little bit a a little (laughs) yeah sure disgrossing a little bit frustrating um Mm. and not and i don't mean that as a critique just kind of as a that's what the game's working with it's kind of working totally literally frustrating the in the other sense of that word um your your ability to uh sort of engage with it so i'm gonna put in a vote for crystalline uh just Mm. because i think that one really um 
it, it just sucked me in in a um, really weird and intense way. And then I think that the um, it, it, it really makes you aware of your senses, um, I think, most intensely of these three. OK, OK. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you. Okay. I, I would pick uh, Crystalline for this category as well. However, I don't I don't want to uh, discount uh, Promesa because um, I really, really enjoyed Promesa. I think at the time we played it, I described it as a uh, like I sort of jokingly called it a cinematography uh, simulator um because oh, yeah i think i remember uh, that, yeah. a lot of a lot of the game was sort of your your base uh movement you were kind of on like a slow roller coaster and you know your control as the as the player is just to kind of pan the camera around and it has a really deliberate pace that it can move at uh and i mean it, it the game looks beautiful and i think uh it does a really good job of evoking uh just making you sort of be um contemplative you know uh thoughtful mm -hmm. as you sort of look through it and, and also i ended up after we recorded the podcast um i had been reading that there were uh so there are basically a bunch of different vignettes and they get randomized and given to you in in a random order each time you play and i think i played it two or three more times uh, just to see uh, all of the mm -hmm, different vignettes mm -hmm. and to kind of revisit the ones that I really liked. Um, and I really enjoyed that game. I mean, for me, that is like a close second. I mean, obviously, we really enjoyed all three of these games or we wouldn't have built a category to include all three of them. Uh, <laughs> but I thought that the way it, it captures the, the flow of time and also this... Mm -hmm. The, the the way that it gives you the sense that it's uh existing out of time uh i thought was fantastic and really interesting but uh in the end crystalline i think is a game that the i won't remember the title mayhaps because uh you know the titles are the first thing to go but the game itself <laughs> i will always remember you know the 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 like visceral experience of this game because it, it just uh assaults the senses and yet i mm -hmm. i liked it like it was aggressive and at times unpleasant uh you know there's like that room that we both remarked on like the strobing being so intense that it was like oh my hell i need to look away like i don't even have uh yeah. you know photosensitivity or anything and i'm like can you Currently chill out? having a seizure <laughs> yeah um and i think it was just used to to really uh great effect and i think uh the game has a uh a really a, it's it's interesting and I, I i like things that are kind of ambiguous that sort of mm -hmm. leave you with yeah. uh with a question uh and this game leaves you with a lot of questions and i Many love questions. that uh -huh. like what's wrong with my eyes no just kidding <laughs> yeah uh -huh. i think that it it takes a, a kind of a lot of stuff that you're used to seeing happen with strobe lights and kind of explores it in an in an interesting way like there's there's um like where stuff will shift around and move uh in between the um uh in between the flashes of light and it, it prompted a really interesting discussion when we were talking about how like how weird it is to have your um sense of sight broken up into frames like that um so yeah i think uh yeah i think i'd agree that that is uh a very engrossing sensory experience so uh, the winner is Crystalline.
Doo, 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 doo. Yay. Um, Yay. Yay for crystalline. Uh, so I think it's my turn to do the next category. So uh, our second category of the 2021 uh, edgy awards, the edgies as they're known to some is highest MPM. Now, dear listener, you may be asking, what is MPM? Well, it's a very, uh, it's a very specific metric that uh, Jordan and I devised. Term. Is there, yeah, there were scientists involved. There were, you know, there's uh, there's data uh, analysis, a, a review forum, uh, and uh, MPM is mileage per mechanic. Uh, so this is a descriptor we use to um, sort of describe games that get the most out of what mechanics they got and that sort of allows games with uh extremely simple mechanics and drink uh, games with a uh, you know a little bit more complex mechanics uh to to cohabitate uh however yeah, they, they got to be they got to be doing the most with what they've got but not too much yeah, you know yeah they the the since it's a per uh metric you can get it from having a lot of mileage or a little mechanic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and on 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 the uh, the topic of little mechanic, why don't we start with our our first nominee, which is Divar, uh, which you may remember uh, was a one button game. Uh, it's it was sort of this um, super simple game, I believe, by um, it's ABA Games. I believe that's a Japanese de- developer, if I'm not mistaken. Um. And I, uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, uh, a one button game where you are uh, splitting a missile in two to try and uh, uh, destroy bombs that are falling down toward the ground. But you uh, you must be careful not to uh, hit any of the, the parachuters coming down. And uh, additionally, the more missiles you have on the screen, uh, the more bomb or the more points you get when you destroy a bomb. Uh, so, uh, you know, really, really gets some nice mechanical depth out of literally one button. Uh, <laughs> our second, uh, uh, nominee today is Okta, which I think we decided probably stands for octagon dash. Uh, and, uh, uh yes, that's right. This, uh, for a while we thought it was maybe a word for potato in another language. <laughs> that's right it's, it is because it is the, not <laughs> the itch page specifically refers to your character as a potato which i'm like i don't know that doesn't look that much like a potato to me but fair enough you know <laughs> uh so uh octa uh is a uh sort of puzzle platformy uh game uh that sort of feels like uh i, I remember making this comparison on the original episode sort of feels like celeste but instead of having uh super strong control of your dash it's sort of uh uh, gated behind these octagon zones on the map so you can only use your dashes in this octagon and and the dash is always done uh outward from the center of the octagon in the Mm -hmm. in the quadrant of the octagon that you are in so it sort of draws a little pie slice uh on uh the the octagon zone where your character is uh and sort of uh, shooting outward from uh, the the long side of that pie slice is the direction of your of your dash, and so uh, they just did a really uh, good job of of taking this mechanic, which again was like 
surprisingly simple uh, and sort mm. of uh, expanding it uh, and having this sort of accelerating challenge. Uh, and it, it had that, I think the reason I compared it to Celeste is it had that, that nice uh, combination of uh, like platforming challenge and also just like figuring out how to do the thing, how to get where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is why Okta is on the list. And finally, uh, our, our last uh, candidate here is Yinglet, uh, which is an interesting, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to remember like <laughs> how we describe this. It's, it's sort of like a platformer. You're, you're, you're a little swimmy guy. You know, you're, you're like a, a little An sort amoeba. of amoeba <laughs> looking critter. Um, and you are, I think are I remember g- describing it as you look like an amoeba from the art style of, uh, that Disney Atlantis movie. Um, <laughs> I see what you mean. Uh, but yeah, the, the thing about this game is it's not like a standard platformer. You're, you're sort of, um, swimming around, uh, in these, these zones. So when you're within the zone, you have complete control over, uh, your, uh, amoeba and you can kind of swim around at will. Uh, but as you leave the zone into the sort of open air, uh, you're subject to, uh, the momentum of whatever, uh, the, mom- the momentum that you had when leaving the zone and also, uh, you know, gravity pushing down on you. And, uh, there was a dash mechanic that gets introduced and, uh, a bunch of different, uh, level elements to interact with that interact differently with your, uh, with your dash. And, um, I think that's probably the most mechanically complex of these three games. Uh, Mm -hmm. but again, it just felt like it explored all the depth of the mechanics that it had. And it was really fun and just felt like a really strong, strong package. Yes, uh, it definitely did. Um, yeah, I remember, and I think part of the reason we included it is because it, um, it did like do a good job of the sort of platformer thing of introducing something and then kind of iterating on it and uh, and changing it and giving you new ways of considering uh, this mechanic it, it had um, taught you. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, so this one is um, a little harder for me. So I want to hear you uh, you make the first case. Mm, mm. I didn't. I didn't have uh, uh, a specific front runner coming in. Although, I, if I, I don't either. really, if I really, if I really think about it, for me, it's probably Yinglet. I think mm. uh, Yinglet is one that I went back to, and I think I actually, I think I actually got all of the. I did all the collectibles after we did the episode because each level has a few uh, sort of optional collectibles. Uh, and then I unlocked oh, nice. the, there's I didn't a, do some, all of them. Oh, I see there. There's some bonus challenge levels that are shorter, but have mm. like really tough individual challenges. And I did, about, I think I did about half or three quarters of those. There's one of them that I kind of just like got to and was like, all right, I, there, there's no way in hell I'm going to do this. Um, <laughs> but I, I did, I did really like, uh, Yinglet and I also just found the, the look and sound of it. I mean, it's a little unfair. That game was also definitely like the most polished and I, my guess would be probably had the longest, uh, dev time on it. If, if I'm, uh, remembering correctly, yeah. there was like the, the original, um, prototype 
that was done as part of a game jam, which I also played, which really was not that much like the final game. Uh, but the prototype was in from like 2014 or 2015 even. Oh, so wow, yeah. So yeah, quite, but, quite the dev time. Uh, all that being said, I really thought Yinglet came together really strongly and didn't overstay its welcome. I think I think that's maybe a another sort of shared characteristics between these three games is none of them overstayed their welcome. Uh, you know, Yinglet and Okta both have sort of like explicit levels, so you know, there's no way to overstay their welcome. Uh, Divar <laughs> is more of an arcade style game where it's just like set a higher score. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I would say Yinglet would be my pick. Yeah, I was, um, yes, I was, uh, I was debating between Okta and Yinglet. Um, I mean, Divar, I, it does earn a place in my heart for just being such a great encapsulation of the, the category. Because mm-hmm. it's like, how, how much mileage me- per mechanic can you get? Well, what if there's one mechanic? <laughs> right. Uh, so all the mileage in the game is per one. Is um, one button. But I, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm leaning towards, uh, Inglet. I just, um, I was really, uh, sort of taken in by that game. And, um, I think it did a great job of, uh, really kind of, uh, getting you to think on its terms and to kind of like, uh, learn and understand the the way that this little it's actually called a space dolphin on the page space uh, so dolphin. space dolphin doesn't look anything like a dolphin but that's fine it looks much more like a squid but um if you you know it just uh really um uh yeah really really sucks you in and i think it does a great job of um exploring all the possibilities that um are presented when you are moving around with this uh, dash through this weird animated uh, liquidy world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just like uh, I'm just sort of remembering how many uh, sort of unique takes on the dash it was able to introduce, like uh, dashing in and out of those like subway train line things, dashing right. in and out of um, like, uh, shapes that would eject you if you stayed in them too long, resetting your dash. Uh, so yeah, I think it really um, right, and also has, those, has those, a lot of create creative ways of using the dash. And there are those walls as well, where the blue ones you if yes. you hit them if you hit them while dashing you would die, but if you hit them while just uh, free falling, then you would deflect off. And then the red yeah. walls, where if you dash into them, then you you know sort of. Uh, reflect off at just the right angle but if you hit into them without dashing then they they blow you up I felt like I feel like those were where you really wait do they uh, blow you up or you just go through them oh maybe you just go through them that sounds more accurate yeah so because there were some there's some where it's like mixing them so you have to be remembering which ones you can dash through and which ones you have to just flow through yeah yeah that's right that's right um but yeah it was just it was really yeah they they just found really clever ways to uh keep you on your toes and keep you thinking and also just executing uh you know it's it's good you know what i mean it's a good game (laughs) i liked it a lot (laughs) and that's all i have to say about that is 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 yinglet the winner do we want to yes let's go ahead and 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 crown them give them their crown of laurels 
uh, Inglet. Uh, so congratulations, Niflos. You take the you take the edgy. You did it. All right. So music plays, plays you off the stage, and uh, and now I now I come. Yeah, there um, are no acceptance speeches at the edges. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Developers um, okay. have no voice here. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the next category is most quote can't help but smile. So um, the idea behind this category is um, these are games. I mean like the category says they just kind of make you smile in different ways and we're kind of uh thinking of this in um in kind of like the the tone or the vibe of the game that they have something charming or cute or we don't like the word wholesome but that could be included <laughs> um but uh just that sort of like they have like an infectious positivity or something like that um so, um, so the three uh, candidates for this category are uh, the Million Ant Moving Company, mm-hmm. um, which you'll remember is a game where you you use your cursor to move around a big like bundle of ants, and you have to sort of creatively get the ants to uh, load and unload moving vans full of furniture and right and stuff. if. If you'll remember, this narrowly missed last year's category of uh, most undulating morass, I believe. Yes, yes, we 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 played a bunch of games that were about controlling a like a a horde or a crowd of of units rather than uh-huh. like one unit, and and so we had a category for it. And then literally, I think the next or maybe the second game it was after it was the, the first end, game after the first was game after was this one. It's like wow. Really missed the boat on that one. So luckily, it is is interesting for two different reasons. Uh, we um, we included in this one just because there's something so charming about the ants. They just have a kind of like eager. I don't know how to describe it other than like <laughs> eagerness to the way uh-huh. that they move and like fall on each other. Like they're just trying so hard and they're so desperate to move these chairs and couches. Uh, that yeah, I found myself like just grinning because it was just so. Even when the game was frustrating, it was just so funny. Like, get all these like lemmings just yeah, trying to get I, them. Yeah, I remember to, being <laughs> surprised that like they're ants, and you kind of expect like ah, a big swarm of ants. Gross. In real life, yeah, it's when I see a big gross. swarm of ants, I'm not happy. But in this game, I was like, look at those little guys. They're they're just trying to help out. They're doing their best. <laughs> Yeah, and they, I mean, they, the animation does help in making them not gross and that they look like little, like, pieces of, like, uh, uh, cardboard or paper or something that's been, like, a kid has cut into the shape of an ant. Uh Um, So that helps. Uh, Then the the other game is maybe um, more uh, obvious inclusion in the category, but... Kendra, the heavily defend, uh, sorry, heavily pregnant defender of Earth. So you will remember that this is a game. Uh, There's a sort of semi-autobiographical game created by um, H. H. Magoo, uh, who she um, this is the first game she ever made. She went back and re- rebuilt it for a, a game, the revision jam. And you play as Kendra, who is heavily pregnant, and you are fighting off these. Uh, uh, aliens that have invent invaded uh, uh, Earth, and there is just something so um, uh, I, I don't even know. Yeah, smile worthy 
uh, about this game. It just like something about Kendra's movement, uh, the cartoonish art style, and just the like, um, oh, and just the, the like things that are included in the game are just <laughs> like kind of funny and charming. Like you have to get your prenatal vitamins. Uh, and and stuff like that so not only do you uh, have to get your prenatal vitamins the prenatal vitamins are what give you uh the contain allow is it you po- to potassium repel- or something that allows you <laughs> yeah to- there's some chemical in the vitamins is what repels the the aliens so uh yeah so that that was um the second one and then the last one was uh biodome 2 which was um a came uh uh, designed for the uh, keep the lights on fundraiser. It was kind of like, um, uh, you know, developers couldn't um, for, be in their for offices. Glitch City in L.A., which is a yes a indie collective that I believe they have a space that they rent out. So a bunch of the developers that use the space or have used the space in the past were trying to keep paying the rent of their of their shared space. <laughs> so they. Uh, a bunch of them made gotten groups so this game was made by jamie pareno uh pen ward ben esposito and beretta lucifer and uh, yeah i'll let you keep describing it yeah so so biodome 2 you play as a feral human um that is uh in some sort of experimental um environment biodome thing uh i mean i guess it is inspired by the biodome 2 which as i mentioned in the episode is uh, biosphere like, 2 is is the biosphere thing, that's right? what it's actually called yes yeah, so it's inspired by that which is just like a like environmental and climactic research station that's built in this like enclosed sphere um isn't the whole so thing the that it's in the middle is, of the desert but it's, yeah it's in the arizona you know, desert i went uh visited it for uh, a field trip when i was in <laughs> in elementary school but it says eventually you can have complex thoughts you need to eat to survive you need to poop when you eat you need to kill the gremlin that escapes from your poop the circle of life so very weird and um, almost absurdist game but it was included because of the it's just really funny the uh creatures in this game the gremlins that come out of your poop and the feral human that you play as he just looks so he has this like look on his face like he's really trying to figure things out and don't it, you like yeah, slither you just, around as well yeah you're, yeah <laughs> he's like b- like like the movement that you do when you're trying to mess around with kids and be like look i'm a snake uh-huh. like that is that is how he moves so right um, that's right the like inchworm thing the inchworm thing yeah so impossible not to smile uh, at that <laughs> um uh, yeah, so those are those are uh, the the um, nominees, and I like that they are in the category for very different reasons. Like they're all right. make you smile in a slightly different way. So right, I right. think that's uh, uh, that's good. So um, this is a tough one. I think um, uh, I want to hear what you have to say, but I think um, in the spirit of the category, I think my my first. Im- uh, the one I go to first is Kendra, the heavily right. pregnant defender of Earth. I just right. think that that one um, is just dripping with smile energy, <laughs> I would say. Uh, <laughs> just that's kind of its whole vibe. 
And so it's hard not to to look at that one first. But it um, has a, it has it, an un, unashamed positivity of yes, just like it's un, it's, un, it's it's very uh, like unabashed about it, too, which I think is is also key to this category. Right. But I didn't right. smile at all three of these. So it is true. Um, true. <laughs> they could all uh, uh, take it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard not to to pull for Kendra. Uh, just because, I mean, like the, the fact that, you know, she, I believe, uh, you know, she's heavily pregnant. Uh, and <laughs> this is the title. This is yeah, heavily it's, pregnant. yeah, it's she's right in there. I believe she's also Canadian, which, you know, th- was I she hate not to Australian? say it. Am I? Oh, yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was Canadian. Uh, but like, you know, her voice is in the game and your yeah. avatar is uh, a picture of her. And I mean, I think. Uh, it's 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 undeniable that part of this game's charm is that it's a little bit uh, goofy and and janky. You know, it it, it mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't have any shame about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it it's it's very uh, it's very earnestly presented as like, hey, I wanted to try and learn how to make a game, so I made this this game about me being pregnant and taking down some crystal aliens. Some aliens. <laughs> yeah, and it was just sweet and nice. Uh, that being said, I mean, I, the my horse in this race is Biodome too. I I I will not I will not fight you hard on this because I think Biodome too is uh, like there's something very specific about it that I really enjoyed. But I just loved the concept of you being this like uh, weird pitiful creature. <laughs> Uh, going around <laughs> trying to uh, gain consciousness by like if you remember the mechanic was that you just had to like find objects in the world and stare at them for a really long time and that's how you yeah. developed more brain cells <laughs> like you start the game with one brain cell uh-huh. and you're like staring at a rock like really hard and and you would you would stare at different objects and if you didn't have enough brain power to understand them then your little guy would get kind of like tired and so you'd have to go look at simpler objects and sort of, uh, you know, internalize. I mean, really what you're doing is holding the mouse and hoping that you have uh, enough meter to, you know, uh, understand the thing. But but conceptually, you know, you're you're trying to understand you're building up your understanding of the world by you know, understanding one small thing at a time. And I, I found that metaphor really charming. Uh, and I found everything else about the game also very charming and goofy and weird in the way that it like, yeah, like it's a little bit, uh, I feel like if it was a movie I watched when I was a little kid, I would have been kind of like put off by it. I would have been like, that movie was weird. I didn't like it. Uh, but then when I like, you know, rewatched it with my little cousin when I was 14 and be like, this is now my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the weird. Thing, and I the, like weird the, stuff now. The thing that does um, pull me in the direction of Biodome is that it has the can't help but smile energy on multiple levels, Mm. like the animation of the character. And I hadn't really thought about it until you were talking about it. But also, yeah, like like you said, the the fact that you have to look at things in order to learn. There's just something so goofy like wacky and charming about that mechanic that like it 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 (laughs) like doing the action of looking at things as a player also you can't help but smile so i think that 
that I could be, um, I could be persuaded to go in the way of biodome because, yeah. because of that, because it, it takes the, the category and sort of, um, the, the thing the, about it box from different directions. The thing about it is that even though biodome is a, is a game that overall I am more enamored with, I feel like, I feel like there's, there's, I feel like you can't give it to anyone, but Kedra, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, there's something about, Kendra's game that I feel like it, it's just made you smile like all the weird goofy little stuff and even when it was uh you know maybe a little frustrating or you couldn't figure out what to do he's still just like come on man I mean she built her own little living room there's like a picture of her and her husband on the wall it's just like <laughs> come on man <laughs> it's just cute, yeah I mean that man. was that, that was my smile. first that I think that was my I um I think that one, uh, I think that one fits the category the most. Maybe right. Biodome fits the category the most diversely. Right, uh, right. But I, I think in sheer can't help but smile power, uh, I might still throw my vote in for Kendra. Yeah, uh, I am. I am perfectly happy with Kendra. I I came in here expecting to uh, make my case for Biodome. Uh, but give it to Kendra and uh, you know, I made my case for biodome. It's a really lovely game and you should play it, but it is. I mean, you totally should play it. I, I think, think it's hard. Um, not to I mean, that is Kendra, something though. we should maybe say uh, frequently, but um, all of the games that we're talking about today were good enough that we wanted to design. We specifically wanted to design a category that right. they would be a contender for. So uh, right. I, I, this is very much a case of, being mentioned is more than honorable so right right so i think we can with that we can say uh kendra heavily pregnant defender of earth is the winner right takes the cake most can't help but 2021 edgy goes to yes and that uh takes us along to our next category which um not gonna lie jordan i'm proud of this one i I came up with the name for for coming up with this title uh our next category is fairest use uh so this is a category where we we had uh, a few games uh that made let's say uh took some artistic liberties with uh existing <laughs> assets or visual designs and we were trying to figure out a way to uh sort of include those together in one category and what we came up with was fairest use uh, so the the nominees for fairest use are uh, Potter Game, which was a sort of uh, a parody um, taking to task of uh, the Harry or not not really so much taking to task the the content of Harry Potter. Although actually now that I'm remembering, it does to a certain extent uh, take to task the you know the sort of the content of the Harry Potter uh you know books and films and games well, and uh, little, but also the some, political some sides about uh jk rowling yeah specifically. that's <laughs> that's what i felt it was more about is about uh yeah. you know jk rowling and her blatantly transphobic worldview and also the sort of uh regressive uh conservative uh opinions and comedy of the uk uh were kind of all mm-hmm. Uh, which which sounds kind of like an unfocused mess. And also, did I mention that this 
uh, game is built entirely using assets from, uh, I think, a PS2 Harry Potter game. Uh, and if I'm remembering correctly, there's no animation. You're just like Harry Potter standing in like a not quite a T pose, but almost a T pose. And you're hopping around collecting a zillion beans oh and and uh, uh, casting. I know there was some spell casting. There's a Quidditch mini game at one point. Uh, it is Quidditch, a, yes. There's voice acting. You gotta it was collect a, the birdie bots every flavor beans, right? That's Isn't right. That that's right. That's right. Yeah, this was a ridiculous, uh, crazy game, but I thought it was uh, very funny and uh, and inventive. Um, then the the next game was Only Can's Thirst Date, which this one was uh, maybe stretching the category a little bit, but I think uh, the reason why we felt like this fit is because it uh, it, it had um, very close analogs as far as like designs to existing beverage cans. And also just <laughs> evoking the design aesthetic of like, uh, I think for me, it really evokes like Shasta Cola uh, or, you know, like Shasta yeah. where, you know, Shasta is a is a beverage company whose thing is that like they make cheaper version of every other like big soda. So they've got, you know, their fake Sprite. They got fake Mountain Dew. They got fake Coke. They got fake Dr. Pepper. And the designs of their cans all have uh they they share certain uh visual characteristics that say this is a shasta cola but then they also share other characteristics that say this is a coke and so <laughs> i thought that uh this game while maybe that uh comparison isn't explicit uh i i assume there are many uh there are many other brands like shasta uh, you know regionally across the united states and the world where they just sort of like half they're trying to establish their own brand identity and half they're trying to establish or you know like yoink the brand identity of whatever soda they're trying to 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 replicate um and all that is you know that is not the biggest part of only can's third state because also you're like uh you know you know it's kind of a a a sexy game parody where you're like I forget exactly what you're doing, but you're kind of like massaging these cans until they burst and the top pops off and they, they all have like voices and backstories about, uh, there's this whole story about this like defunct, uh, or this, this company that makes all the, the sodas and all the different flavors and yeah. their yeah. weird history. And also I'm now weirdly involved lore, <laughs> right? And now I am now I'm just now remembering the, the climax of that game and how upsetting it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely upsetting. Oh uh, my God. Right. And then finally we have uh, no sidewalks in the mushroom kingdom. Uh, which uh, was another game that just uh, blatantly jacked assets and from a Nintendo game, which is ballsy uh, because <laughs> Nintendo is, uh, is notoriously litigious. Uh, litigious. Yeah. <laughs> extremely litigious. I mean, Japanese companies in general, very litigious. And I feel like even amongst Japanese company, Nintendo has, has set themselves apart. Um, so, so this game <laughs> Uh, took place in a uh, a map from Mario Kart Double Dash, um, which is called Moonview Highway. And basically, rather than driving a car around, you're just walking around. And there were all these sort of, uh, 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 you know, as you're as you're walking around, you can see all the assets uh, that are in there. And there's you know like cars and Mario's and a T pose and all sorts of things. Uh, but then there's also these sort of like. Uh, uh, 
I guess screed is maybe a, an un uh, an unkind way to uh, describe them, but they're they're all these uh, sort of like texts, uh, tech like paragraphs of text just projected onto the sky or onto the side of buildings that were hiding around all the different corners of the maps. That were just sort of like some of them were sort of like philosophical musings. Some of them were just like anecdotes about <laughs> Halo Two. Um, it was kind of a weird. <laughs> it was kind of a weird amalgam, but I think it worked. It was kind of fun yeah. to walk around this map, and it, you also walk extremely slow, and the map is really big. Yes, very. and so you're just kind of like wandering around trying to find uh, one of these weird little uh, paragraphs of text. Sometimes insightful, other times just kind of like goofy musings. <laughs> yeah, musings for sure. Uh, so those are, those are the three games that we, that we played here. Um, there's a clear front runner for me, Jordan. Uh, is it the same? Oh, that's interesting. I, if I had to guess your front runner is no sidewalks. Oh, no way. Potter game, baby. Oh, okay. I was going to say Potter game. So I, I remember you really liking no sidewalks in the mushroom kingdom, which is why I thought maybe that was what it was for you. Um, right. So I was going to, I was going to, I think this is a great one where, kind of my interpretation of the category matters because you know really the title of the category is sarcastic we we want to award the one that is the unfairest the one that uh stretches the bounds of the fair use doctrine the most and i think potter game has to take the cake there just because really i would i would disagree i would say here uh, let me hear what your argument is first well i was just gonna say i think potter game has like the most blatant uh like um like theft of ip um the i mean maybe i don't actually i'm not actually an expert in how fair use works you could maybe argue that potter game is in the fairest use because it does uh, you know the core of the fair use doctrine is you have to add something creative of your own in order for mm-hmm. it to not be infringement and potter game is like really <laughs> it is really its own thing like it is uh you know it's a kind of satire of um uk comedy and also a critique of jk rowling and a little bit of kind of like just meditation on the phenomenon of harry potter yeah um so so maybe in that sense it is the the fairest use also but it felt like the one that was the most irreverent to the property it was borrowing yeah uh, totally like it is um it's really shitting on Harry Potter in some places and, and kind of like, like it has the, um, the kind of, uh, it's kind of thumbing its nose at, at copyright law in a way that um, totally, uh, was kind of what I was getting at there. Yeah. I see what you mean. I, I think, I think my, my thing is that, uh, a big part of fair use is being sort of, uh, what do they call it? Uh, transformative. Uh, yes, that's and, what I was uh, trying to, get it yeah and one of the big uh ways they do that is like parody is like puts you in a clear space of say mm. like okay if i'm yeah. using the thing but i'm doing a parody of it then it's you know a stronger case at least that's what i've heard uh and so this one felt like the most like a parody of the fact that it's using the assets like the game the concept sure, of the game doesn't sure. exist without uh you know the the assets that are in there and i think no concept or no sidewalks in the mushroom kingdom is very similar. And you were right that I did uh, really enjoy no sidewalks in the mushroom kingdom. Um, I just found Potter game to be a little bit more complete 
uh, and also just like more bizarre, somehow more bizarre than like <laughs> weird philosophical musings uh, spread all over a Mario Kart level that you have to like hoof it for 20 minutes in a straight line to get to. So- somehow Potter game outdoes that by being this weird, surprisingly expansive uh, and sort of uh, a little bit like unfocused uh, exploration of, yeah, like the the Harry Potter phenomenon and everything around it or many things around it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it did a really good job of of capturing your nostalgia uh, and skewering skewering. <laughs> that's a that's a harder word to say than I thought. I don't know that I've ever tried to say that word before. Skewering. 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 But anyway, it's doing that uh, to Harry Potter and uh, can't help but can't help but stand as as a person who grew up uh you know with harry potter being i mean i think if you were a child of art it'd be hard not to have harry potter be like yeah a sort of a big, big part thing yeah yes. uh yeah, yeah maybe i not mean a big i was i was full on i think books five through seven i like read the day they came out so oh, yeah were you were, did you ever go to like the late night book release i did once i think yeah i think I we did it once or twice think only yeah. one of them yeah but anyway um, having having gone from like that to like being an adult now and i feel like a lot of people our age are still like oh my god harry potter i love it yay and i'm a little <laughs> bit more like yeah my my that, my uh, that third movie that third movie you know props to that up. movie actually some of the I, the the um is it the second to last one those last two are also not bad they're pretty yeah. good but some of those movies yeah. are not good at all <laughs> Yes, <laughs> the third one really holds up. I think the six and seven, seven point A and B are, uh-huh. are not bad. Books wise, I did think this, I really disliked the seventh one. Um, and that oh. was when, when the seventh book came out was actually when I started to uh, sour on Harry Potter. Oh, I, really? I, I distinctly have a memory of being very mad that a, they, she introduced uh, artifacts of world altering power in the final book. I was oh like, yeah. Okay, come on. These were just in the world and they were never mentioned prior yeah, to we, now. We had we had not one but seven MacGuffins this whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, she had the Horcruxes, seven MacGuffins, and then she added the Deathly Hollows. Like, let's add three oh, more MacGuffins. Right. Oh my <laughs> god, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's interesting because I think I was still young enough when that when that last book came out. I want to say I was like 12. Uh, yeah, and so, I was just I was just old enough that I was right start, that that right. was that, that could annoy me like I was barely yeah. had I it really felt like growing up in my taste for media because I was like, wow, this would have not phased me two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I was the two years ago being unfazed, you know, reading the whole book on like a family camping trip. You know, it's like I started it on the drive and then it's like, hey, we're going to go do camping stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to stay here and read this book, uh, you know, um, like the gremlin voice. Yeah, exactly. The gremlin voice. Oh, man, I forgot to do the voices. You just remind me, but it's not my turn to do category. Oh, rude. Well, the last category, the last two, <laughs> we'll, do we'll, we'll do this. Uh, okay. But anyway, uh, shall we just give it to Potter Game then? Yes, I think I think that one uh, that one takes my vote. So yeah, given that we just talked about it for like ten more minutes, <laughs> 10, <laughs> ten or fifteen more minutes, yes. I feel like. All yeah, right, and the edgy goes to Potter Game. 
That's right. Uh, all right. So we're taking it to our final two categories. So this one, um, uh, naturally, that I, I need to be the one to announce it. But this one is called uh, Least <laughs> oh, we didn't Likely. we plan that. We didn't, Incredible. but it worked out well that you did Ferris Hughes and I did this one. So mm-hmm. this one is Least Likely to be Played by Jordan at Night. <laughs> so pretty straightforward, but I have a bit of a reputation around here for being uh, very, you know, I struggle with horror media in general, but horror video games really fuck with me. And I, I really, um, we talked about this in, I don't even remember which one it was, but I think it was one of these games. We talked about the fact that in horror games, the fact that you have the responsibility for moving through the world yourself just makes it so much worse. Like in a movie, I can put my fingers in front of my eyes and kind of squint through them. You can't do that in a video game. So uh, we, we played a few games that not, not all of them were like horror games per se. I would say one mm-hmm. of them, I would describe as a horror game, the other two as kind of horror adjacent, but mm. the they're games that are um, variously unsettling, uh, dark, disturbing, creepy, thrillery, horror um, mm. and kind of wanted to, and, and they all um, have interesting takes on that. It's not just like, let's jump scare you. Um, so we wanted to, to create a category that shouts that out. So the first nominee here is Hexcraft Eventide Sigil which um, this one, it's been a while since we played it, but you play as one of a, I believe you're like supposed to be a knight searching for. Um, I, I don't think you were actually a knight, but there, there were the knights of the round table. Like there were a bunch were of in the people world. named were like, you not one yeah. of them. Maybe that's, I don't right. think yes. you were one of them. I think you were trying to like hunt them down and kill, kill them. Maybe. Well, the narrative in this game was very strange, but there it takes place in in the modern day in this like vaguely I would like post-industrial city, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here it even says post-industrial wreckage of a Midwestern town. And you're um, kind of uh, searching for uh, these artifacts and there's this weird story uh, with King Arthur's Knights Um but it, it's included because there's just something really uh, creepy and um, ha- haunting about kind of the world that you uh, inhabit. Um, and uh, yeah, this is a very mysterious game. Uh, it had a lot of, um, I, I read into the Discord a little bit, but it had a lot of uh, uh, kind of hidden mechanics relating to when the knights would appear and what conditions would change their behavior like there was all sorts of weird almost like the level of a of a like immersive, immersive sim, sim yeah in in the degree to which the knights would like um go insane and fight each other or try to help you i think is one option i don't really remember but, yeah you'd, i feel like um, you'd stumble into like the cops chasing two guys like trying to fight each other and you're yeah. like what the hell just happened and like as as uh, absurd and like goofy as that sound the vibes of this game were kind of like oppressively like dark and just like you just feel like yeah. something is not right uh, and so yeah, everything and the fact that, that all the character sort of models like, are literally faceless <laughs> makes right, it right. also extremely unsettling. Yeah, everything um, was just kind of like cast with this sort of like dark air. And if I remember, there's some uh, like hints toward some pretty thematically dark 
subject matter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one was just a that one was just a a, a bad vibes, an intentional bad vibes. You know, you know, yeah, area. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, that, there's a lot of that in this ca- in this category. Um, mm. So the next one uh, is Perfect Vermin, which is a game where it's first person game where you're going through some sort of office. It's got a I think we were originally um, drawn to it because it has a kind of uh, PlayStation one or two era graphic style to it. But you um, are this dude in an office with a sledgehammer and there are these beings, um, possibly sentient, that are hidden as uh, furniture. And so the game is about trying to notice what furniture is out of place and smack it with a sledgehammer. And if it's furniture, it'll break apart like furniture. If it's one of these beings, it'll explode. It's not in a even just mess. furniture. It's just any objects in the you're right. You're right. Any object in the world can be a um, can be one of these vermin. Uh, it is. Right usually furniture because that's most of what's in an office but yes um uh and then it kind of ends up being ambiguous kind of has this weird meta story about this newscaster who is going insane and um we speculated that it might be kind of implied to be about a someone going postal or something but it, it sort of is intentionally ambiguous um, right. but yeah, it's just, uh, that one's not really horry so much as just kind of like creepy. Like there's just right. something as wrong you're just like about hit a desk chair and it explodes in like blood, blood and viscera. Blood. <laughs> like it's just kind of like, this is wrong. not right. Feels wrong. And the ending um, was really creepy. I, I think I seem to remember the newscaster like clawing his eyes out or something. I remember some, he's like getting his like boils on his hands and he like yeah his, some his some body horror stuff yeah some body him. horror yeah um and then lastly this is the one that i was thinking of when i said it's the most <laughs> like truly a horror game um but veinless property which is a it's a cell sh- shaded game uh so it's really um striking uh art style uh it's based on the art style of junji uh ito who is a a manga artist i'm not familiar with i did look him up after uh, the episode but uh, basically you play as this person who's home alone uh, in your house late at night and some horror monster being uh is trying to get in and visits you and there's these kind of little set pieces where a window breaks or someone knocks on the door and you like catch a glimpse of the monster as you're exploring. Um, and it is really um, kind of what it does really well is making use of this really stark um, red and black color scheme with kind of manga style that, um, yeah, it's just really kind of vibrant and sticks with you. So um, uh, yeah. And I had to have Katie join me when I played this one, cause I was genuinely frightened. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are those are the three. So um, the <laughs> um, if I'm taking the category at its most literal, uh-huh. I think I have to say veinless property because I I actually struggled to finish that game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was yeah. deeply deeply frightened by it. Um, I think I f- maybe f- I, I did think there's something really interesting about. Um, a hex craft, but I didn't really fully unpack it enough to appreciate it. Um, 
and perfect vermin was kind of uh, it was uh, yeah it was, there was some interesting something very like compelling about its central premise uh, although although weird but certainly the most um, frightening one is veinless property yeah I mean I think given the fact that uh, I was sent a video of you uh, <laughs> like giving up on playing this game and asking uh katie to play it for you i feel like there's just there's just no competition i mean given the <laughs> given the category i mean it's just right there i i think we did uh want to shout out i think you know both of us uh you more so than me are uh horror weenies uh <laughs> you know i the, i there's some horror movies that i really like but in general i just have a hard time with like uh um graphic imagery uh yeah it sticks with me so yes, uh dude, I, like that like i bleach that uh that subreddit i really relate to people yeah. that need <laughs> that because i i feel that like where it's just like well that's now in my head for the rest of the day dude this is this is maybe an embarrassing uh admission but after i watched the movie hereditary there's a certain image from there are a few images from that movie that uh like it stuck with me for a while. I was just like, ugh, 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 can't do it. Can't do it. There are some horror movies that is like, it, generally if they're a bit older, then it's like I can do, I can hang because like the effects are old enough that it's like, haha. Although I still haven't gotten up the courage to, uh, watch, uh, the thing, which I really want to, or the fly, which I have just accepted that I could never watch that movie because I saw, my dad watching it when I was like 13, he was watching it on TV, just like matter of factly watching this like horrifying body horror. And I'm just like <laughs> scarred forever. Uh, <laughs> all that to say, I'm not a scar. I, I don't get as afraid of horror games as Jordan does, but uh, we've <laughs> shied away from them in the past. And so the fact that we had like at least three and there were probably one or two more that could have been included in this category this yeah. year was kind of like, well, we got to talk about spooky games, creepy yeah, games, yucky totally. games. Uh, yucky. But yeah, all that said, I think perfect vermin. <laughs> Or not yeah. perfect vermin, sorry, veinless property. Veinless property. Yeah, I do want to just also say it's not just that it was um, frightening. I think it also just, it had some very well done ways of making you feel uh, frightened. That I And in particularly, I thought it, it made good use of the lighting scheme that it had uh, decided on. This sort of like, you really have to see a picture of it to, to appreciate it. But this like red, black... Um, lighting scheme uh works really well as at making you just feel on edge and then also making uh you distrust little things you see out of the corner of your eye and so yeah. i thought that the game was um really well made and yeah, it accomplished what it was setting out to accomplish <laughs> uh-huh yeah be be spooky so, <laughs> to to spook people so, like uh, vein, veinless property Yes, and the edgy goes to veinless property. That's right. Shall we get on to our our final final category? Category. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Our final category is I'm not like the other games, <laughs> uh, which is kind of a silly tongue in cheek title uh, to basically capture 
well, first of all, we ended up uh, coming up with three games that we just couldn't fit on any of the other lists. And then as we were thinking about them, we we're like, well, each one of these games actually is kind of uh, unique in that they do something that other games don't do, or they have a, a feeling all their own that sort of sets them apart. They really aren't like anything else. And that's what made them hard to put together uh, and or to put to categorize with each other. So we said, what if the fact that they have nothing in common with any of the other games is the thing they have in common, you know? You know what I, I mean? Know. Mind blown. It's pretty pretty high concept. Uh, <laughs> so with that being said, uh, the games are The Legend of Bear Truck Trucker, uh, which is great. It's just a weird game uh, where you are uh, a bear driving around Idaho, uh, you know, picking up... Uh, objects buying some goods and then driving <laughs> somewhere else in the state with the hope of selling those goods for a lot more than you paid for them uh and it has this sort of like the main gameplay is this sort of physics-y thing where you're uh you know putting your truck in first second or third gear uh and trying to uh navigate the terrain uh, without uh, letting your truck tip and uh, you know the physics are really goofy and your truck has this really springy suspension and so you're just kind of bouncing around hoping that your uh, you know expensive lamp doesn't fly out before you can make it to Rigby to sell it or something um, and I it was just a bizarre I mean first of all it takes place in like m rural Idaho <laughs> um, which for me, since I, you know, grew up driving through rural Idaho on the way to family that lives in Boise, uh, you know, yeah, there, there's a certain soft spot struck there. Uh, and also I just found the, the gameplay surprisingly fun. The, the economy was fun to try and like, uh, come to terms with. And then also just the challenge of like, uh, driving crossroad. Uh, sometimes literally like you, your little bear has a big stretchy arm and you can, Oh yeah. Did I mention that you're a bear driving a truck? I think, <laughs> I think I might've forgot that pretty important detail. <laughs> that core element. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just a bizarre, but, uh, but fun and entertaining game that, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I just wish it was on iOS so I could play it some more. I mean, I did, I think I literally did everything, but I feel like you could, uh, you know, you could have like an evolving economy. I've got a whole idea, you know? Uh, but uh, the the next game on the list was Dear Future, which um, this one was uh, was really something else. So so this was a um, a sort of uh, I think it's build is built as a multiplayer wandering game where you photograph a cryptic city with an inherited camera. So sort of the concept of this uh, this game is that you. Uh, spawn into this big procedurally generated city and you have a camera and you have a limited amount of time. I want to say it was only like 30 minutes or so, 20 or 30 minutes uh, where you're walking around this city uh, and taking photographs that'll get stored on the camera. The idea being that once you've uh, played through it once, the executable, you know, shuts down and then you're, you know, kind of not intended to play it again. Uh, but there is a sort of broad uh, narrative that forms. There's, I think there, I want to say there were like six or seven different sort of uh, uh, areas of the city. Um, 
and each one has a sort of uh, s- secret where if you you'll sort of wander around and find uh, something that will lead you to a secret and either there's a puzzle to be solved or there's just sort of uh, certain things to be interacted with uh, to sort of figure out what happened to this weird, uh, you know, sort of destroyed uh, post-apocalyptic looking city. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll probably talk about this more as we discuss who, uh, you know, the game's deeper, but uh, you know, we ended up, <laughs> we ended up being the first people to uh, finish the 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 game sort of uh unlock the final secret and and see that uh which was a really cool experience to have yeah and it was what was really cool was we realized while on recording the podcast how it worked we kind of right yeah that's right in in talking through the episode we we discover we sort of put together what needed to be right finished in order to um complete a a full run of the game and so afterwards we sat down and did that Mm -hmm. and then uh saw the true ending and recorded another sort of uh final uh bit for the episode and and we even talked to the creators a little bit on twitter about it but um right yeah it was really it was a really cool experience yep yeah it was awesome uh, and the final uh, nominee here is Shell Song, which was really more of a uh, a sort of uh, hypertext essay, I would say. Um, mm. That's a good it, way to put it. Yeah, it, it sort of uh, played out a bit like uh, interactive hypertext fiction, but rather than being a fictional story, it was uh, uh, an essay uh sort of um and this was by uh, everest pipkin i've been really bad about consistently shouting out the people who made these things but um i feel like this one in particular felt extremely personal or maybe not extremely personal but it had a very personal touch um but it was a, a sort of exploration and essay about um computer generated voices and uh, both mm-hmm. the way algorithms recognize and try and emulate the human voice and the way the human voice has in the past served as a uh, sort of a piece of identity and how uh, as computers get better and better at emulating uh, not only a generic human voice, but specific human voices, uh, how that identity sort of is being washed away. Uh, and in many cases, voluntarily, you know, people are contributing to these, uh, you know, uh, audio libraries as, you know, reading uh, audio books uh, or something and then that data is being used to uh, uh, you know drive research into uh, generating mm-hmm. you know artificial using artificial intelligence to generate voices based on your real voice and uh, the 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 sort of essay I mean I'll say game just because the broadly you know that's what we call everything that we do here games <laughs> um, but the game sort of at the end ends up kind of like having this reveal that the narrator who's been reading all the text to you this whole time is the voice of the creator Everest Pipkin, but it's their voice uh, run through one of these, you know, it's basically like they read all the things uh, they, they fed it enough voice data to get back out a replication of their own voice. And then they had it read out the, uh, uh, the script for the for each uh, page of the game. So it was it was a really interesting 
exploration of a, a topic that I think all of us have run up against, whether we knew it or not, uh, just by living in the world and using the internet in 2020, 2020, 2020, <laughs> excuse me, 2021. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just a super, uh, fascinating and, and, uh, uh, thought-provoking essay about voices computer voices so those mm -hmm. are our three uh nominees mm -hmm. would you do you have you say your piece jordan what do you what's one of them you want to talk about well i this is probably not that surprising but i i do want to talk about dear future Mm -hmm. um because um you know not just because we uh were the first ones to crack the code but uh -huh. um not just that, to boost our own egos <laughs> that that certainly does uh color my um impression with of it but i just remember you know on the topic of the kind of sui generis uh aspect of these games the there is just something so just compelling and bizarre about that that world and it's just like you it drops you in it at a random spot um it is procedurally generated but only i believe we figured out it was generated once per um like playthrough like or like whenever some group of players solves it it gets generated again right. um so um and it's just like you know, I had never, I'd always been impressed with, you know, whenever there's some really um, extreme um, Easter egg that the first players of a game have to solve, you know, I'd usually just go look up the answer. Um, <laughs> right. Cur curious about the answer, but not uh, compelled enough to go help solve it myself. But in this one, I just remember us talking about it and just like really intensely being like, man, I just want to know the answer to this. Like, it just really was so um compelling uh and mysterious about how uh about the unlike all levels what the narrative was what the answer to the the puzzle was and also just like kind of how it worked we also just talked a lot about just like trying to figure out how the game was doing the things it was doing um right uh so yeah i think that one is a strong initial contender for me yeah, I, th I think the thing about that game is I went into that recording uh, of the podcast pretty cold on the game, I would say. In my yeah. own experience of it, I was I thought it was a game that had some interesting ideas and I could see the I, I, I ran into enough of the sort of like narrative and the, the politics of the game to kind of have uh, a broad idea and 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 i was sort of like oh yeah those are cool but i i remember being uh feeling pretty uh ambivalent about like the or even negative about the procedural generation uh mm. just because the like variety of the environments was not that big and you move so slowly uh and yeah. it's kind of hard you to keep really your slowly yeah it's kind of hard to keep your bearings but then as we were talking about it and you know, like the pieces, I think, I think the thing about that game is that, uh, you and I both had different pieces of the puzzle that we brought to it, uh, or that we got from it. And so having that conversation where we're each laying out, you know, Oh, you did. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, I, this is actually what yeah. I came up with and what I saw and what I heard about. 
and sort of the combination of both of our knowledge sort of like made it click for me Mm-hmm. what was going on and i think it clicked for both of us. I, I think you were maybe more positive on it yeah going i definitely in. was not like the the intense curiosity definitely was built i was kind of curious but it was i was similar to you in that like it was the conversation that made me like dude we have to figure this out right right and if i remember correctly we kind of like finished recording and then it was basically like I think I think you might have gone to eat your dinner and I just immediately started playing again and streaming <laughs> for you. And then yeah. at a certain point, it was like you and I both playing and streaming and our friends, a few of our friends like yeah. saw us in discord and like hopped in and we're like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we're playing this really cool game. We think we're going to finish it. And like <laughs> that moment of us trying to figure out the the puzzles, uh, the last few puzzles to kind of piece together uh what was going on and sort of like see the end game and i believe mm-hmm. i i believe oh, actually, that i what's that I, I was gonna say i just remembered something else about it was one thing that i didn't understand going into it was that each of the challenges can only be completed once period per world right like one right. player and and the the way that we figured that out was so cool which was you was t- you were talking about completing it and i was just like why the hell was it not available to me and then and we realized because like, oh, i had done it before you did. had already done it <laughs> right uh, and then right. that was just such a great eureka moment or that yeah. really like you know something that was kind of you know the the sort of stone-facedness of this game was kind of frustrating at first but it um that just really <laughs> ended up paying dividends uh yeah totally and and i think uh i also think the game ended pretty strongly given uh even though we were the last two to touch it and even though we were kind of engaging with excuse me with the game in a way that it wasn't really meant to be engaged with uh we ended up com- uh having some back and forth with the sort of lead developer um on twitter afterward and their intention was kind of more to be like yeah you play your one run and that's kind of it instead of you know the two of us going back and forth doing you know three or four additional or, runs yeah just yeah. like doing runs yeah. back to back <laughs> just to try and figure it out but i mean we were it speaks to like how excited we were about trying to figure out what's going on and see what happened at the end and i, and I did feel like the ending was was really satisfying and cool mm-hmm. and we, we we did uh we did record i record i recorded my screen uh while we did the ending and i think that's up on uh, our youtube i think it might be the it's probably the only video on our youtube channel uh <laughs> It is indeed, but it was it was a really, really one of a kind experience. And um, I think we should talk about the other games here because they're both also fantastic. But I think for this podcast, for this purpose, I don't think I don't think there's any competition. Yeah. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah. And it it is. there there yeah it is just something so it was something so singular about the experience too like i feel like i'll never never have a a game playing experience quite like that um, right which was which was really great um and yeah the 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 topic of it being not quite how it was intended i do think the developers were kind of it, it was a great example of a game where you don't really know um what you've created until you see players play it because we we realized uh. that after it had been released for some amount of time, the developers removed the session restriction. Uh, oh, and so by, that's by the right. time we had gotten to it, that had already changed. And I think it was, it really was a, the right 
move, but it kind of, you know, such a different way of playing the game if you really were locked into only playing it once versus. Yeah. Yeah. Because we would have come out not having understood it, (laughs) not having understood it. So, um, uh, yeah. And I think, um, also I, it was the, the fact that we were doing it together was also a really like key part of it that, um, totally. I could see, uh, uh, a version of this game that, like includes that in the game in some way, but um, I thought it was uh, yeah, it was great. Um, I do agree that we should shout out the other ones. Um, so yeah, Shell Song. Um, I think the uniqueness of that game was both in its ideas and its um, kind of execution. There was, uh, I think, you realized it was uh, um, generated voice quicker than I did, but mm-hmm. I do think that the uh, like, didn't you say you realized like within the first minute? Um, I don't think it was that quickly, but I think I, I, I realized something was off, but I didn't realize that what was off that was, was, what was off. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. So I think that the that the there was just such an interesting mixture of kind of like um, argumentative thoughts about this phenomenon, personal uh kind of almost memoiry mm, stuff right. about uh this person's life um interesting mechanical like technological experiment with um voice uh generation um and then also just the the sort of hypertext fiction was also kind of interesting as well so um yeah, yeah. definitely agree that that one um definitely belongs in this category for sure yeah yeah, and then for me, I think the one that that spoke to me more than you for sure was Legend of Bear Truck Trucker. I, I, don't, I <laughs> yeah. don't know what exactly. I think something about uh, the creator is Captain Games, which I believe is uh, oh, I can't remember the name. Justin something uh, is the creator of uh, some of my favorite mobile games of all time, Desert Golf and yeah, uh, Golf yeah. on Mars. <laughs> and this game, although very different, I I love this game. I I ended up sort of doing the the final uh challenge where you have to like or there are a few challenges there's the buying the home where you have to get ten thousand dollars to buy the home and then also doing the noah's ark we have to find 20 different objects and uh take them back mm-hmm. to this uh yeah. big boat in the middle of nowhere but uh. i just found this game to be a really fun combination of you know goofy physics ridiculousness and also <laughs> the sort of like tetris style i mean it's not actually tetris but you know what it what we call like uh real world tetris where it's like i am trying to fit objects that shouldn't fit somewhere in a space by just making them fit really tightly uh i i think that has isn't that like knurling isn't that uh uh, uh isn't there a, a real life uh, that is term? not a word i have ever heard or <sighs> knurling I thought it was ner there's I uh, or nerbling or something. There's some there's <laughs> no idea. Greeb greebly is that it? Greebly? I you're gonna keep saying Greeble? weird combinations of noises and they're not gonna suddenly cohere oh, no. into a Greeble's word I've different. ever heard before. I can't remember what the term is, but I know that there's yeah, or I maybe I know. You. I feel <laughs> as if I know. Uh, I mean, I could it definitely be wrong. It's, it's like a a concept so it definitely makes right. sense to me that there people have coined a word for it right right but it, uh i i have that big time uh both in like literal actual tetris but then also just like 
uh really like oh we're moving let's pack all the let's pack things in a really even even if we've got a lot of space in the back of the moving truck let's let's pack stuff really compactly and nicely and make sure nothing's gonna move while we go so it engaged that part of my brain the physics goofiness and also i just thought the economy of it was really fun where you kind of have to try and game the econ or you know find how far across uh, Idaho you have to go to uh, get your money's worth out of this big heavy ass object that you're carrying. And it's like diminishing returns of like, yeah, I can sell this for five times what I bought it for in, uh, you know, I bought it in Horseshoe Bend and I got to, you know, drive all the way back down to Idaho Falls. Uh, but you know, it's going to be worth five times as much or like this thing is too heavy. I need to sell it sooner. Even if it's for less money, I, I just, I thought it was really fun and I honestly want to play more of it. it again, if it was on a phone, you bet you, you bet your ass I'd still be playing it. Um, <laughs> so, so that's, that's my, my piece on bear truck trucker. I loved it, but yeah, I think, I think dear future. I mean, as for all the reasons we've said before, I think I think it was the definitive edge guard game of of the last year that we played. Yeah, I think I it could take that um, as well. I think it just it also just really was a great example of what we're trying to totally uh, explore with the podcast. And it felt it was one where I was also just like proud to have exposed some aspect of this game to the world. It was like, wow, what a cool game that did not get a lot of uh, exposure and I'm glad we got to see it and I hope other people will look into it because we did. Yeah, totally. Um, I do want to give one shout out uh, here before, before we uh, close off the show, which is Uh, something that I really was trying to talk you into doing for the podcast. But I think, (laughs) Uh, I, I think you didn't understand quite what it was. And so you felt uncomfortable doing it with like, fair enough. I would say fair enough. Uh, but, uh, I think if you, uh, were exploring weird interactive, uh, digital art objects, uh, on the internet over the last year, you probably encountered, uh, 8,800 blue lick road uh which was not uh a explicitly developed game but it was a sort of uh 3d interactive house tour for a property for sale in uh louisville kentucky or i guess louisville i gotta i gotta say it right or else i'll get roasted by a a a a local um (laughs) which starts as this kind of uh weird look and kind of depressing look into this like sort of gross nasty (laughs) house of you know some people where you know i think this was the thing that made you uncomfortable where there are like uh pictures of family members out there uh and it's just kind of uncomfortable that Mm -hmm. you're like it's not like oh an empty house that you're going through is like no like whoever lives here is presumably still living here but you know the real estate agent has gone through with their little camera pod robot that takes the uh, you know you put it in the room and it takes a 3d picture but uh it starts from there and it uh ends up you know expanding out into this massive you know you go down into the basement and then through the basement there's an underground tunnel that connects to uh (laughs) another building which was previously a church uh that is just uh stuffed to the gills with uh random shit uh 
uh, including thousands and thousands of DVDs and CDs and books and yeah. uh, toys and like hardware and so basically it's you're like slowly uh uncovering and it has i think one of the reasons also you were which i didn't understand at the time but understand now is it almost feels like the spatial narrative of a walking sim in that it it, absolutely does it has like a an arc to it and that it it goes from seeming like a hoarder to seeming like something much more nefarious but you're not quite sure what it is like right. is it nefariousness or is it just some bizarre e- e-commerce business like what on earth am i looking at right right it, it starts out with you being like ah this is just like a sad kind of like depressing place where a person lives and then you go into the basement and you're like okay maybe this is not just where a person lives because the bathrooms are labeled like men's bathroom and women's bathroom that's kind of weird yeah. oh there's a whole other kitchen down here and there's like uh, a lot of like shipping like it seems like a shipping center and it's like <laughs> yeah the just like the further you get from the start the more bizarre it gets and it just like spins off it it felt very much like uh an explicitly designed space for something yeah, that is just yeah. a real life space like it was it was <laughs> it was amazing to me it felt like the environmental storytelling of this yeah, place it really it, did it, 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 it felt like how could this have been an accident uh but yeah what it basically ended up being is uh i believe uh in the weeks after uh you know people have found this and explored it uh that it was this uh person who had bought a house that was connected to an old church and was using it as a, a an e-commerce hub for f- stolen goods. He was basically a fence, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> running, you know, selling on eBay and Amazon, you know, weird, obscure, you know, it's like these, you know, created DV- DVDs fell off the back of a truck and ended up in the, <laughs> this old church that is being <laughs> run as like an, uh, oh. you know, Amazon distributor basically. Uh, but it was, Incredible. it was incredible. It was bizarre, and I did make you go through it with me uh, uh, just to see, but we, we decided not to do an episode on it, uh, but even still, I felt like I, we had to say something about it. So um, so here's, I, here's after that. After having, quote-unquote, played it, I think uh, I can see the case for <laughs> doing an episode, uh-huh. but uh-huh. that time has passed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So finally, we're we're at long last. We're at the end of this uh, this you know extremely lengthy. I mean, this is pretty average for edgies. For the um, edgies but yeah. uh, last time we talked a little bit about how uh, the or maybe the time before last. I don't remember about how the podcast can be changing a little bit. Um, we're not. We don't have anything specific to announce, but uh, we are going to say that uh, we're going to be trying some new formats. We're we're still going to be doing, or we're going to be doing every other week more consistently now. And we have um, some ideas for um, specific segments, and uh, you know, just trying to be a little bit more thoughtful about the the games we pick and stuff. So we're mm-hmm. not. Uh, it's nothing super concrete, uh, but we're going to be trying some new stuff. So. Uh, we're we're hoping to have uh y'all along for the ride and uh you know help us figure out 
how the podcast can evolve a bit because I think we got the feeling it'd been kind of a little bit, uh, you know, we kind of figured out what the what the thing was and we'd kind of been doing that for a while. So we're excited to try and do something a little bit different and, uh, you know, try some new stuff, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, yeah, we'll have we have some things we want to try um, and then we'll likely kind of take what works and try some other things uh, as well. So we'll have uh, more about that in two weeks for our next episode. Um, we don't have a, a game to announce um, uh, yet because part of the, one of the things we want to experiment with is a different uh, format for how we select our games. So we will we'll have more information for you uh, in the next episode, but we will have an episode for you uh, two weeks from whenever you're listening to this. So um, we hope you will join us for another year of uh, strange and interesting games, uh, as well as a new year of a new uh, edge guard format. So uh, thanks for listening and we will talk to you then. <laughs>